Letter from William Blake to Mr. Butts, 16th August, 1803. From the Letters of William Blake, edited from the original manuscripts with an introduction and notes by Archibald G. B. Russell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. To Mr. Butts, Feltham, 16th August, 1803. Dear Sir, I send seven drawings, which I hope will please you. This, I believe, about balances our account. Our return to London draws on apace. Our expectation of meeting again with you is one of our greatest pleasures. Pray, tell me how your eyes do. I never sit down to work, but I think of you, and feel anxious for the sight of that friend whose eyes have done me so much good. I omitted very unaccountably to copy out in my last letter that passage in my rough sketch which related to your kindness in offering to exhibit my two last pictures in the gallery in Berners Street. It was in these words. I sincerely thank you for your kind offer of exhibiting my two pictures. The trouble you take on my account, I trust, will be recompensed to you by him who seeth in secret. If you should find it convenient to do so, it will be gratefully remembered by me among the other numerous kindnesses I have received from you. I go on with the remaining subjects which you gave me commission to execute for you, but I shall not be able to send any more before my return though perhaps I may bring some with me finished. I am, at present, in a bustle to defend myself against a very unwarrantable warrant from a justice of peace in Chichester, which was taken out against me by a private in Captain Leith's troop of first or royal dragoons, for an assault and seditious words. The wretched man has terribly perjured himself, as has his comrade, for as to sedition, not one word relating to the king or government was spoken by either him or me. His enmity arises from my having turned him out of my garden, into which he was invited as an assistant by a gardener at work therein, without my knowledge that he was so invited. I desired him, as politely as possible, to go out of the garden. He made me an impertinent answer. I insisted on his leaving the garden. He refused. I still persisted in desiring his departure. He then threatened to knock out my eyes with many abominable imprecations and with some contempt for my person. It affronted my foolish pride. I therefore took him by the elbows and pushed him before me till I had got him out. There I intended to have left him, but he, turning about, put himself into a posture of defiance, threatening and swearing at me. I, perhaps foolishly, and perhaps not, stepped out at the gate, and putting aside his blows, took him again by the elbows, and, keeping his back to me, pushed him forward down the road, about fifty yards, he all the while endeavoring to turn round and strike me, 
and raging and cursing, which drew out several neighbors. At length, when I had got him to where he was quartered, which was very quickly done, we were met at the gate by the master of the house, the Fox Inn, who is the proprietor of my cottage, and his wife and daughter, and the man's comrade and several other people. My landlord compelled the soldiers to go indoors, after many abusive threats against me and my wife from the two soldiers. But not one word of threat on account of sedition was uttered at that time. This method of revenge was planned between them after they got together into the stable. This is the whole outline. I have for witnesses the gardener, who is hostler at the fox, and who evidences that, to his knowledge, no word of the remotest tendency to government or sedition was uttered. Our next-door neighbor, a miller's wife, who saw me turn him before me down the road, and saw and heard all that happened at the gate of the inn, who evidences that no expression of threatening on account of sedition was uttered in the heat of their fury by either of the dragoons. This was the woman's own remark, and does high honor to her good sense, as she observes that whenever a quarrel happens, the offense is always repeated. The landlord of the inn and his wife and daughter will evidence the same, and will evidently prove the comrade perjured, who swore that he heard me, while at the gate, utter seditious words, and D-the K-dash, without which perjury I could not have been committed, and I had no witnesses with me before the justices who could combat his assertion, as the gardener remained in my garden all the while, and he was the only person I thought necessary to take with me. I have been before a bench of justices at Chichester this morning, but they, as the lawyer who wrote down the accusation told me in private, are compelled by the military to suffer a prosecution to be entered into, although they must know, and it is manifest, that the whole is a fabricated perjury. I have been forced to find bail. Mr. Haley was kind enough to come forward, and Mr. Seagrave, printer at Chichester, Mr. H. in fifty pounds, and Mr. S. in fifty pounds, and myself am bound in one hundred pounds for my appearance at the quarter sessions, which is after Michaelmas. So I shall have the satisfaction to see my friends in town before this contemptible business comes on. I say contemptible, for it must be manifest to everyone that the whole accusation is a willful perjury. Thus you see, my dear friend, that I cannot leave this place without some adventure. It has struck a consternation through all the villages round. Every man is now afraid of speaking to or looking at a soldier, for the peaceable villagers have always been forward in expressing their kindness for us, and they express their sorrow at our departure as soon as they hear of it. Everyone here is my evidence for peace and good neighborhood. And yet, such is the present state of things, this foolish accusation must be tried in public. Well, I am content, I murmur not, and doubt not that I shall receive justice, and am only sorry for the trouble and expense. 
I have heard that my accuser is a disgraced sergeant. His name is John Schofield. Perhaps it will be in your power to learn somewhat about the man. I am very ignorant of what I am requesting of you. I only suggest what I know you will be kind enough to excuse if you can learn nothing about him. And what I as well know, if it is possible, you will be kind enough to do in this matter. Dear sir, this perhaps was suffered to clear up some doubts and to give opportunity to those whom I doubted to clear themselves of all imputation. If a man offends me ignorantly and not designedly, surely I ought to consider him with favor and affection. Perhaps the simplicity of myself is the origin of all offenses committed against me. If I have found this, I shall have learned a most valuable thing, well worth three years' perseverance. I have found it. It is certain that a too passive manner, inconsistent with my active physiognomy, had done me much mischief. I must now express to you my conviction that all is come from the spiritual world for good and not for evil. Give me your advice in my perilous adventure. Burn what I have peevishly written about any friend. I have been very much degraded and injuriously treated. But if it all arise from my own fault, I ought to blame myself. Oh, why was I born with a different face? Why was I not born like the rest of my race? When I look... Each one starts. When I speak, I offend. Then I'm silent and passive and lose every friend. Then my verse I dishonor, my pictures despise, my person degrade and my temper chastise. And the pen is my terror, the pencil my shame. All my talents I bury, and dead is my fame. I am either too low or too highly prized, when elate I am envied, when meek I am despised. This is but too just a picture of my present state. I pray God to keep you and all men from it, and to deliver me in his own good time. Pray, write to me, and tell me how you and your family enjoy health. My much terrified wife joins me in love to you and Mrs. Butts and all your family. I again take the liberty to beg of you to cause the enclosed letter to be delivered to my brother and remain sincerely and affectionately yours, William Blake. End letter from William Blake to Mr. Butts, 16th August, 1803. From the letters of William Blake, edited from the original manuscripts with an introduction and notes by Archibald G. B. Russell. Read for LibriVox by Sue Anderson.